You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Just had to burn a time out to start the show. Look, guys, everyone cares about fans. Everyone cares about players. Don't you know that? They, they school you on this all the time. Everyone cares. Well, it's time to make some decisions. Well, it's time to make some decisions in college football right now. And I don't hear those words being used all that frequently. We're jam-packed. We're high atop an anxious downtown Nashville, Tennessee. We've got everything from fall camps opening to Board of Regents meetings happening over there in Arizona. And we're trying to monitor all of it. And also, you know, try to do a half-decent show as well. Uh, camp Scoop, though. It's that time of year. Let me angle the laptop. Camp Scoop, you know, Intel, you know, actual on-the-field stuff. We're going to talk about that tonight. We do it every show in August, and we're back to three nights a week in case you cannot tell. I've got some realignment stuff. I'm not leading the show with it because, frankly, I don't think it's the most important thing happening right now. We got what-ifs tonight. We got bold predictions tonight. 30 under 30 is out, not to be confused with... 3430. 30 under 30 is what 24-7 Sports does once a year where we just scan the entire country and find the best names, like the brightest up-and-coming names in college football. Could be coaches, could be player personnel, recruiting, etc. Could be nutrition. But if they're under 30 and they're fast risers, they're going to be talked about. We're going to talk about several of them tonight. They're watching us in Dothan, Alabama, Lynn, Massachusetts, Abilene, Texas, Cheyenne, Wyoming. We hit 290K or 190K, I guess, subs, on the YouTube channel today. And I'm thinking to myself, 10,000 in August. Can we do that? I think we can. Uh, so let's just go ahead and do it. 10,000 subs in August, 200,000 by the time we kick things off, and everybody will be better for it. I promise we'll be better for it, and I appreciate it because we are rolling merrily along on the channel right now. Okay, My favorite time of year because fall camps are opening all across the country. We've actually got things to talk about. Not games yet, but we've got things to talk about. And we do Camp Intel Whispers. One of the benefits is we have a very, very deep network of folks who cover these teams. We also get to talk to folks behind the scenes. So stuff is starting to happen. And I try and deliver as much as I possibly can, as much as we're clear to talk about. I try and give it to you on these shows in August. So let's get down to business. Down at Miami, they've already opened fall camp. Now, obviously, programs like Miami bringing in big true freshman classes where they're counting on a lot of those guys to start. We'll be watching a bunch of those kids. Uh, also the transfer portal class, and that goes for a lot of teams. We'll be watching a bunch of those kids. But Leonard Taylor is one who's been there a while. Leonard Taylor, former five-star guy, they landed him a couple of classes ago. You could call this a contract year for Leonard Taylor if you're talking about the future NFL prospects, 6'3", 305. He looks really good by all accounts down there. Uh, should be a presence, a force, whatever words you want to use. But we talked about a guy the other day named Elijah Arroyo, who kind of started to burst onto the scene in 2021 before he got injured. 
And Elijah Arroyo at tight end, there are people in the Miami program who think he may be pound for pound the best athlete on the team. And that's one that I'm watching very, very closely. But there's a third name that we have not mentioned on the show yet. And I have it on pretty good authority that already through one practice, he's standing out down there. And that's Jadias Richards, who came there by way of Vanderbilt, right in our backyard. He was a corner, and he's a former four-star safety from West Monroe. 6'2", 197, he transferred, but his name didn't get near the recognition that a lot of other more high-profile transfers got. They knew they hit a home run when they got him, or at least they thought they did. Through, you know, granted, one practice down there, they feel really good. Feel really good that they hit on him. And that's not surprising anyone down there. I think it'll surprise some folks in the ACC. Ray Davis, the running back from Vandy that went up to Kentucky, I think we'll hear a lot of good things about him. But Richards, the corner from Vandy, now down there, keep an eye on him. Uh, next up, yeah, I, I was wondering why I had this post-it in my hand. It's because of who I'm about to talk about. Out in Utah, all eyes are on producer Jesse. And by producer Jesse, I mean his twin, Cam Rising. Starting quarterback out there. Had surgery like eight or nine months ago. I think it will be by the time they kick off in week one. So here's the good news. I guess you could call it good news that Kyle Whittingham says things are on schedule. But we're open in fall camp out there, and he is doing mechanics-related things. He's doing footwork. He can throw, but there is no sudden movement. It's never language I like used about my quarterback when we're open in fall camp. Certainly no contact, and that's normal. Is he going to be able to play? This is not a team that eases into their season. Utah plays Florida right out of the gate on a Thursday night, no less, to start the season. And then they go to Baylor the next week, and I think, yeah, there it is, they've also got UCLA in week four, and they go to Oregon State in week five before their bye week. So there are one, two, three, there are four very losable games and winnable games. Your quarterback position is largely going to determine the outcome of one, two, three, or all four of those. And if it's not Cam Rising, or if you only have like 75 or 80% of him, and that's not good enough to win, what do you know about Brandon Rose? I think Utah fans know about him. He's a redshirt freshman, 19 of 24, 233 yards, and a touchdown in the spring game. However much you want to quantify and value spring game statistics, man, I, as of right now, I'm going to take Kyle Whittingham at his word, but let's monitor this closely. This is going to impact Florida. It's, well, it's obviously going to impact Utah, but it impacts Florida because they play him in week one. You've got uh, Baylor playing him in week two. You get into Pac-12 play. That could be one of the most critical dominoes out there early on. What about USC? You know, back in spring, to stay on the West Coast for a second, USC had issues practicing because they didn't have enough defensive depth. Last year, they had problems playing because they didn't have enough defensive depth. And that's not me trying to be funny. That is an accurate representation of USC football so far. Now, that's not hating on Lincoln Riley. He played with what he could play with last year. And this spring, ditto. Well, they tried to attack it in the transfer portal. They went and got players like Bear Alexander. Bear Alexander from Georgia, who played, I think, in 12 games last year, a former high four-star, five-star guy, depending on where you looked, point being, he is going to be counted on to be a critical part of their success or failure up front defensively. Well, he's not practicing right now. Lincoln Riley revealed that he had a soft tissue injury. And so he's rolling around in a scooter out there, based on what I've heard so far. And they've only had a couple of practices, obviously. But keep an eye on that. 
And then also, there are a lot of folks around USC who think both of their offensive guards who start will be transfers. One of them from Washington State, one of them from Wyoming. So lines of scrimmage. I know we got Caleb Williams out there. I know we got like a million receivers every year, but Pregnon is the kid. One of the kids I'm talking about, Kingston's the other kid. Those two transferred in and they will be getting repetitions with the ones at each guard position, may both start for USC. So that transfer portal class for USC, going to be integral, which it always figured to be. What about Nebraska? Nebraska's open fall camp. Another cycle, it seems, of Eric Gilbert promise. I'm not going to call it hype, but Eric Gilbert, who was a five-star tight end once upon a time, and was originally, how did this go? So he was committed to LSU. Then he, which order did this go in? Jesse, he was at Georgia, but he was committed to Florida for like five minutes. Any which way, that's the way it happened. Now he's at Nebraska. That's what I want you to know. So racking up like half a dozen destinations in college. These aren't official visits, by the way. He's actually on these teams or enrolled in these schools. So there's got to be a waiver signed, obviously, for him to be able to play this year. If they get that waiver signed, and I'm going to, I got one foot on the gas and one foot on the brakes. Kids, don't drive like that, except when you're talking about Eric Gilbert. All the potential in the world here. 6'5, 275, came out that same class as Darnell Washington. Both of them were like alien, monster looking tight ends. And Washington's already come through and done his thing at Georgia. Eric Gilbert is still in college. And there's, there's hope. There's hope out in Lincoln through, through early portions of summer workout and now fall camp. There's hope. A lot of people are impressed by him. It's hard not to be. Sustain it through fall camp. Get your waiver signed. And you could have an unexpected playmaker there. Also, I know I've talked about Jeff Sims a little bit, and nothing happened out there since the last time we spoke about him. I just want to reiterate, Matt Rule thinks extremely highly of Jeff Sims. I, I could have actually pulled a clip for you. You can go look at our interview with Matt Rule from last week at Big Ten Media Days, and he, he's been very effusive in his praise and just adamant that he thinks Sims can be one of the best quarterbacks in the country and never, never really fulfilled on that potential at Georgia Tech for whatever reason. Uh, he's got a shot here, though. And he's got a shot to really, really surprise a lot of people because no one's got Jeff Sims on their preseason top 10 board for quarterback. And yet Matt Rule, just not even smiling, not beating around the bush, just flat out has said many times, yeah, I think he can be one of the best in the country this year. Uh, I want to talk about Notre Dame for a second, too. So Riley Mills is moving from defensive end to, to defensive tackle for them, and it's, it's a really important move for them to fortify the interior of their defensive line, put on the weight. A lot of folks around the Irish program think he could be a breakout player this year, but it's the wide receivers that I think will get the most attention, and rightfully so. Jaden Greathouse, four-star kid, true freshman. Rico Flores Jr., four-star kid, true freshman. There is, there is no qualifier here. If Notre Dame is to win nine or more games this year, one or both of them have to have breakout years. They have to be dependable. They have to not be hurt, not inconsistent. And it, I know it's asking a lot, the true freshmen, uh, but they've known, and that staff has known since they got on campus, they're going to have to have critical plays made from that true freshman wide receiver group. And they've been working with the ones so far, albeit very early in fall camp. Does, does it not feel good to just start, just start rattling off some intel, some scoop? Now, listen, that is only through like one or two days of workouts for most of these schools. They haven't even put on pads yet, but soon they will. And so those segments will get beefier and beefier. And then when we get into scrimmage time, 
when they go through their first and second scrimmage, that's when we get our best feedback. And that's when, if you want to be ahead of the curve, if you guys are betting this stuff in week zero and week one, make sure you're checking out fall camp intel and notes. I decided something. And I appreciate you guys being tuned in live. I see you there. We had a little, we had a little choppy start to the show. Look at this thing on my shirt, by the way. What is that? That's Director Colin getting it done. That's what that is. I've decided that in the month of August, and good for me for deciding this, I think I'm going to give away a chalice of supremacy every show. But I'm not giving it away freely. You know the rule around here. These things, these chalai of supremacy, plural of chalice, these can't be purchased. Offer me a million. I don't care. I'm not giving you a chalice of supremacy. But if you help promote this show in a public manner, I'm going to give you one for free. That's always been the rule around here. And so one of our buddies, we'll call him Chuck because that's his name, hit us up earlier today. I hadn't even put out the call to action. This is just the kind of stuff I get tweeted at me. Chuck hit us up on Twitter, at Late Kick Josh, by the way, and he said, hey, I'm hitting the road for some recruiting. And if you're listening on podcast, you may think, okay, Chuck's going on a road trip, big deal. Well, he's also got a giant handmade poster board on the back of his truck that shows our hand-drawn logo and a massive three-word call to action of his own that says, subscribe on YouTube. Chuck, I appreciate it. You got a chalice of supremacy on the way. I need your shipping info. You can DM it to me. And that, my friends, is going to happen every show throughout the rest of this month. And that right there is how you pull it off. Now, you don't have to put a poster board on the back of your truck per se. You just have to find a way to very publicly promote our show. Because we're probably not going to get to 200K subs before the season starts without your help because we didn't get here without your help. So thank you, Chuck. Thank you, sir. Let's move on. Mm-mm-mm. We do have to talk about it. I promised you earlier today, and I just kept my promise, that I was not going to lead the show with conference realignment. And I got producer Jesse in there just, just updating and updating and updating, trying to find out if we have breaking news tonight. And Colin, when you cut this, don't, don't even put any of this in there. I am not a fan of this stuff. I know a growing number of you are so tired of it. It's why I was so excited to start the show talking about fall camp. And I'm so excited to race through what I'm about to talk about because I do have some things to say. And I'm excited to get back into football. Like I got, I mean, I got quarterback stuff tonight. I've got several assistant head, assistant coaches, future head coaches to talk to you about. We got bold predictions. We got what ifs. So yeah, this is not going to dominate this show. But here's your end point, Colin. Conference realignment is sweeping college football right now. It's been this way for a while. Uh, Some of us feel like we're riding the wave. Others feel like we're drowning because of that wave, but it's here. You know what I was doing yesterday? I was reading a lot. I probably read more about conference realignment yesterday than I have throughout the last year combined. A lot of good work being done. I'm certainly not bemoaning the work. Like Folks like Thamel and Uncle Dennis and uh, Ross Dellinger, they're covering the heck out of this thing. Well-sourced, Everything's been good from a work standpoint. I just don't like the topic. But what I couldn't help but notice yesterday when I read everyone's coverage of conference realignment is there are two words mysteriously, conspicuously absent from all of those reports and quotes, both on the record and anonymously. And those two words that you never hear when people are talking about conference realignment are fans and players. A lot of you may work at a place where in lieu of pay raises, they just you know, do uh, 
fancy-looking do-goodness. It's really empty. It's hollow. No one cares that you get an extra break. No one cares that they have cake in the break room or balloons all over the place. You just want more money, obviously. Well, in this sport, the same kinds of people who do that sort of nonsense are the folks who they tighten their bow tie up and they say, oh, we're in this for the fans. Guys, it's all about the players. They don't mean that, at least the ones I'm talking about. They don't mean it. I know they don't. Because if they did, half the decisions they make, they wouldn't make. And they would also be willing to take financial sacrifice in order to appease player or fan. That, of course, is never going to happen because they were lying to you the whole time. Uh, That would be its whole separate show. But that kind of dovetails into a theme that you've heard on Late Kick before about one of my many reasons I've been opposed to playoff expansion. I just promised you I'm not going down this road. But for those of you who are new around here, I'm not a big expansion guy. It's, it's never just been about that, though. I knew who was driving the bus on this stuff. You should know. It's not hidden, guys. It's right out in plain sight. You should be able to tell what kind of person and what kind of people have been driving the bus on this. And the fact is, I realized a long time ago, we were never going to get playoff expansion without all the rest of this because the same people are at the wheel on both fronts. So what do we know today? As of this moment, we, we know Colorado's on the move to the Big 12. We already know that. Uh, we know from Pete Thamel that there is still no final TV deal for the Pac-12. It looked like we were going to get finality on that today. Uh, Pete Thamel at ESPN reporting, there is an offer probably coming that disproportionately puts a majority of the Pac-12 inventory on Apple. Not great, Bob. Not great at all, but it's something. Uh, the dollar figure is going to be in the low to mid 20 mil per year range per member institution. It's not remotely competitive with what the Big Ten or the SEC get. No one thought it would be. I'm just reminding people who don't follow this stuff day to day. Here's, here's all you need to know. If you're bored by this stuff and you want like a 30-second synopsis, Arizona's ready to leave the Pac-12. They're only ready to leave if Arizona State and Utah do it because no one wants to go alone. And so in lieu of forming a backbone out there, it's strength in numbers time. And the Pac-12 and George Klyvkoff, the commissioner, is trying to convince him to stay. And he's trying to cobble together a good enough media rights deal that's competitive compared to what they would get if they went to the Big 12. That's, so basically what we're asking right now is, is the deal they're about to reveal out there, is it good enough to convince those three schools to stay? My best guess is no. I don't have any guided information on that. Most people who say they do don't either. And um, as we speak, the Arizona Board of Regents is meeting. Jesse told me there were several thousand people, by the way, watching the live stream of that, you know, because it's your tax dollars at work. And then in classic form, when there was anything substantive to talk about, they went into an executive session like 30 seconds in. So people had planned their whole day around watching this like it was a UFC fight or like a pay-per-view boxing event. And it's just gavel down, executive session. So who knows what's going on out there right now? Uh, it, the thought is they may very well be prepared to leave and go to the Big 12. So my guess is they'll go. That's just my guess. That is not guided information. I care more about the totality of it all. And it does no good to remind you, no, I'm not crazy about this. Yes, I like the regionality of college football. I think most of you do. I've got a question for you in a second, by the way. You know, I'll pose the question now, and I'll come back to the answer in a couple of minutes. How's that? If 
if you could go back about a year or so, I asked a public question. It was a loaded question, public in nature. And I said, Colin, how did I word this? I said something to the effect of knowing what you know right now and not knowing what you don't know right now. It's already confusing, but follow me here. Would you rather take college football as it existed in 2007 or as you think it'll exist in 2027? And that's it. That's all I gave you. Think on that. Because you know what 2007 was like. Some of you liked the BCS. Some of you didn't. So take everything you did and didn't like about college football from that time frame. Compare it to what you think college football will be like in 2027. And if you could freeze one version of the sport in time for the rest of time, what would you take? Because I got about 60-40. You would like the future version of it a year ago. Boy, I bet those numbers have changed and changed drastically. So in the meantime, let me remind you of something else. While all the spotlight is on a, a random board of regents meeting in, what is it, Tucson? I think Arizona's in Tucson. While that's going on, let me remind you, we also got Oregon and Washington in play. We also got some schools in the ACC in play. And I, um, I believe in context clues, so I'm just going to leave this with you. And I noticed this, and then I had it backed up by people who would, who would be sort of read in on such things. You know, Dan Lanning just signed a new deal at Oregon. And it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it pays him a lot of money. Yeah, it locks him up through an extended period of time. But there's this specific detail in Dan Lanning's new contract that made me look twice. And that is that he would owe $20 million in buyout if he leaves Oregon before the conclusion of that deal. Now, knowing what you know about the Pac-12 and how unstable it is out there, knowing what you know about Lanning and how his stock continues to increase every day, why would a guy with options, and probably options that are going to grow in nature as he continues to succeed, why would he ever lock himself into a deal like that if he was uncertain about his program's future? Just enjoy this pregnant pause, pick up what I'm putting down, and understand why I don't think Oregon is long for the Pac-12 world. And I'm not alone there. But you don't have to necessarily have behind-the-scenes info. That right there could be seen by everyone. That, the, my mom and dad down in Fortson, Georgia, could look at that and take that context clue and say, huh, so this dude's just this dude's locking himself in a prison voluntarily up there? No, he's not. I just think he may know something the rest of you and, and myself as well are going to find out in the near future. So let's go back to my question I just posed. Forget a year ago. Now it's right now. Right now, August 1st, 2023. Would you rather take college football as it was in 2007? Or would you rather take college football the way you think it will be in 2027? 2007, we still had regionality. We had the BCS. Uh, you had never heard the phrase bowl opt-out before. You had never heard the phrase meaningless November game before. You did not have a college football playoff, and a lot of people were crying for it even back then. For the record, you had a two-loss national champion that year. What would you rather have? I mean, it's a slam dunk for me. I'd, you give me the BCS eight days out of the week over what we have now and what we're headed towards. That's not to say, you know, the sport is, is doomed and falling off a cliff. But man, if you're talking about preferability or preference, because I don't know if preferability is a word, 
go back to 07. Take me back to 07 or 08 or 09. All right. So I'm going to be professional about this. It's going to take like a minute and I'm going to move on. I'm going to take a sip from the chalice. So all the things. This is always coming. You know that, right? Immunity. This was always going to be this way. The nuts and bolts, the devil of the details, that was to be determined, but this was always the end game. When you let the folks who control college football right now finally get their hands firmly on the wheel, both hands on the wheel, and you got, in some cases, what you wanted with the college football playoff expanding, Uh, some of us didn't like it. Several more of you did like it. I think a majority of you did like it, based on what I've heard, at least. And you may have looked at folks like us, who were sort of dragging our feet or being drug kicking and screaming into that new expanded world, and you said, why are you fighting progress? You know, why are you against more football? That's the kind of stuff that would be thrown at me. And I could have my own reasons just when it comes to the isolated playoff argument. But that was never what I went to. You notice if you've watched or listened to the show for a long time, I always went much bigger picture because it's always been about that. You were never going to get playoff expansion without conference realignment close behind. You were not going to ever live in a world where you got one and didn't get the other. And I made that argument and people said, that's total non sequitur. Of course we can have expansion in the playoff without realigning conferences. Why would we ever have to do that? We don't. They don't have to do it. They want to do it. Therefore, they're going to do it. Doesn't matter what a single fan thinks. Doesn't matter what a single player thinks. Because this sport no longer revolves around fans or players. And some would say it never did. But I would imagine you go back in time 20 years, it was a whole lot more palatable for some of those than maybe the decision-making process is moving forward. You were never going to get that, though. You were never going to get expansion without conference realignment. It's just like you can't have income without taxes. And some of you try it every year and you pay a penalty for it. Or either you head to the Caymans. Like, you're not doing that. It was never going to happen. And it was, it was always sort of, I thought, a given. I hoped I was wrong. I wasn't. The only times I'm wrong are when I hope I'm right. When I hope I'm wrong, I'm usually always right. And it sucks. But it's the way it is. So, who knows where Arizona is going to be tomorrow. What I know is, when stuff happens, we'll talk about it on the show. But by and large, it's August. So from, from here on to January, we're talking about college football on the field. And then the off-the-field stuff, we'll just weave it in when it's really, really necessary. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Academy Sports and Outdoors, your one-stop shop for life. Yeah, pretty much life. 
I'm thinking to myself today, so I got a, I got a book bag that they gave me at the 2018 National Championship game, an otherwise very forgettable evening in Santa Clara, California. Not for Clemson fans, but for everyone else. Ugh. And they gave me that thing, and I love it. But the zipper is broken on it, and so it's that time of decade. I got to buy a new book bag, Academy Sports and Outdoors. That's where to go, Academy Sports and Outdoors. I give the problem, and then I'll give the solution on the back end. Uh, another one of you hit me up the other day. You were very, very surprised. You tried some other places for your tent shopping, and then you went there. Yes, I said tent. And Academy Sports and Outdoors, not only did they have it, they had multiple selections. Ditto. One of you brought one of those Traeger grills into my DMs the other day and said, look what I just got, and look at this price I got it at. I know. I know they have grills. I know they have tents. I know they have canopies. One of you also sent me a picture of you at a local flea market and using the Academy tent, or I think they would call that a canopy. I call it a tent. It's just a bigger tent. Uh, hey, man, anywhere and everywhere, we welcome Academy photos. And, and the lounge chairs at the Little League games or the Pee Wee football games this fall, love them. Academy.com, if you can't get there in person. This is why you get this show for free. And we appreciate them. We love them. They go above and beyond for us. And um, they're kind of our best friends. I don't know what else to tell you. Also, I wanted to give a little shout out. I'm going to move on. You know, it's preview magazine season and you got, you got your old, old dependables, Lindy's and Anthlon and Phil Steele and the like. Nothing. I got no problem with them. Got nothing wrong with them. But I got a, I got a product in my hand. I'm going to hold it up here so Brett can get a, get a picture of himself on the show. There you go. So, so uh, Brett and the folks over at Pick 6 Previews, they sent us free of charge. They sent us their latest copy of their preview magazine. It is loaded with information. It's, let's just open up. Hey, you want a preview of Michigan State? There you go. Very well done. The old school spiral binding, by the way, hadn't seen that since third grade at uh, Sherwood Elementary School in Phoenix City, Alabama. Kind of what's happened in the broadcast world has also happened in the preview magazine world. And that is you used to have a few options that were legacy options. You knew them since you were a kid. And now they still exist, just like Sports Center still exists, just like College Football Live still exists. But you also have, with the internet and streaming, options like Lay Kick, options like Solid Verbal, Cover 3, etc. Cole Kublik's show. Halfway concerned because he hasn't texted me during the show so far. Um, my point is, it's a good thing when we have more options. And so Brett and the folks over at Pick 6 Previews, I think they put together a really good product because he's not paying me to say this, so I wouldn't endorse it if I didn't believe in it. Uh, go check it out. Pick 6 Previews. I think you can find it on Twitter. They'll have links. It's a really, really good product. I like it. And I'd, I'd suggest you buy them all. Don't just settle for one. Okay, let's go with what ifs. What if? Chapter 17 of 2023. What ifs? I got one for Director Colin right off the bat here. It comes from Big Orange Speed. And uh, that's what I suggested they called Jalen Hyatt last year, by the way, but it never caught on. So Big Orange Speed says, what if Joe Milton is the best quarterback in the SEC? Well, that's loaded. Now, this is actually possible. You know, if, if Joe Milton is the bowl game Joe Milton, this is possible. Caleb Williams is not in the SEC. There is no returning Bryce Young in the SEC this year. So if this happens... It crystallizes Josh Heupel forever. It makes him like Southern Lincoln Riley, where you know no matter who the quarterback is, he did it with Hendon Hooker, now he's done it with Joe Milton. It's just going to be that way indefinitely. And if you go back and you look, if you want hope that this is going to be the case as a Tennessee fan, 
Hendon Hooker in his two years at VaTech was a 22 touchdown seven INT guy. I got to make sure my handwriting's correct. Yes, it is. His two years at Tennessee, 58 TDs, five interceptions. That is the offense there. So what is it? Is it a system thing? Is it a player thing? We're still kind of too early to know. We're showing video of the bowl game there. Yeah, that bowl game, 19 to 28, three touchdowns. It was a fun time. We've been fooled by bowls before. Also, bowls have have been telltale signs that should indicate what to expect. We don't know. That's the point. Uh, Squirrel White's up there. They've got guys to throw it to. He is 6'5", 240. You know, Joe Milton's huge. And so, boy, if that does happen, and this is what if for a reason, if that does happen, Tennessee could win the East. I didn't even talk about that. They could win the East. Georgia's got to go there. If Georgia's got to go there, and all of a sudden you're playing the best quarterback in the SEC, over under nine and a half wins. If Joe Milton is the best quarterback in the SEC, obviously give me the over there. It would be nice to know that. Next up, boy, this is rare. It's happened twice, but it's rare. Uh, The next one we got was from H. Foreman. He said, what if no Big Ten teams make the playoff? What a disaster this would be. Just all all the spotlight's been on the conference as of late. And then you don't make the playoff. I don't know how this would happen. If this were bold predictions, it would be like a 9.75. This has happened twice in the playoff era, 17 and 18. That's when you had no Big Ten teams in the playoff. If this were to happen this year, the Big Ten just gets shut out. It would mean three of the top eight preseason odds teams in the country didn't make the playoff. It would mean Jim Harbaugh's best Michigan team missed out. And it's not even at the expense of, you know, like losing to Ohio State because Ohio State's not in. And Penn State apparently didn't take advantage of either or both of them being down because Penn State's not in. Uh, We apparently didn't get some crazy Wisconsin run and an upset in the Big Ten championship game because they're not in. So how did this happen would be my question. Maybe Ohio State loses to Wisconsin early, and they also lose to Penn State, but then they beat Michigan, who also went on the road and lost to Penn State, but that Penn State team lost in Columbus and maybe got upset one other time by Iowa or someone. That's how it would have to happen. That's how it would have to happen. It's very unlikely, uh, but possible. Does the SEC get two spots? Probably so, if the Big Ten's not in there. You know what I would want to know? What's the Pac-12 and the Big 12 doing in that scenario? What did Clemson and Florida State do? What if Clemson and Florida State were to just trade shots in the regular season and the ACC title game, and each of them is a one-loss team? No Big Ten in? We'll see. Next up, Caleb Williams, according to Connor. What if Caleb Williams wins back-to-back Heismans? Will he be the first quarterback ever to do it? You realize that? Archie Griffin didn't play quarterback. First quarterback ever to do it. It's only been done once, period, by any player the aforementioned Mr. Griffin. So the legacy is set here for Caleb Williams, the individual. I don't even want to talk about that. My mind goes to what did USC do? Because if if he does it, but they lose in the Pac-12 championship like they did last year, what's his legacy? His legacy is an individual because he didn't win anything of note at USC as a player on a team that that did anything, I guess is the way I want to say that. But if he does it en route to them winning the Pac-12 championship, if Caleb Williams is the guy that powers USC back to the playoff, I say back to the playoff, they haven't been there. If that's part of his legacy, and then that's powered by back-to-back Heismans, 
That's a huge deal. Also for Lincoln Riley, this would give him four Heisman winners out of the last seven. Insanity. And last up here, since we're on the West Coast, let's just go for it. Let's just head up to Eugene and let Mark take us home by saying, what if Oregon wins the Pac-12 title? Well, what did Bo Nix do to win it, Mark? That's my first question in this little scenario. What what did Bo Nix do? Did Bo Nix get himself in that Heisman conversation? Speaking of conversations, I told you guys, out out in Eugene, they firmly believe convincing him to come back is one of their biggest recruiting wins. Yeah, convincing your starting quarterback not to go to the NFL draft. You can laugh at that all you want. You're the one who looks kind of foolish, by the way. If you're laughing at the idea of Bo Nix being a really, really high caliber quarterback right now, because you're still thinking about him at Auburn. You don't need to. He's got a whole year of film at Oregon now, and it was pretty darn good, and I think it'll be even better this year. So they got him there. This probably means if they win the Pac-12, it probably means that defensive line recruiting we've been talking so much about with Oregon on this show is starting to pay off. Uh, Transfer portal, ditto, starting to pay off. Also, how many losses? Are they out there winning it? Are they just the best of a bunch of banged up cars out there? Or is it a one-loss Oregon or an undefeated Oregon? Because that obviously has playoff implications on it as well. And then you would also start to be talking about Dan Lanning's stock continuing to rise, rise, rise. Already just signed a new deal, so things would be good in Eugene. Who did it come at the expense of? That's what I would want to know. One of you, actually 100 or 200 of you, asked me a question today. So it's, I'm, we're a little deeper in the show now, so I'm going to address it. Um, there was a tweet. <clears throat> there was a headline. I guess an entire article, for all I know. From a certain... Call it a four-letter network up in the Northeast. And that, uh, that tweet today was a graphic, and they were showing odds and whatnot, and the caption was, it's never too early to talk about the college football playoff. I can promise you it is. I can promise you there is a time where it's too early to talk about the playoff. I'm not going to hate on them. Look, they do their thing, we do our thing. Like I said earlier, options, choice, it's a beautiful thing. A lot of you have chosen to make this your home for college football. Uh, if you want a ton of playoff talk in August, it's probably not the best place for you. We eventually get around to it, but it's not in August. Uh, we believe the sport revolves around Saturdays and the fall. That's what we believe in here at Pate State. So if you really don't care about Saturdays, and if you feel like the college game should more model the NFL game, where the preseason is just an appetizer, and then, well, actually, the, the, the regular season is kind of the appetizer, but we're just building towards the playoff, and that's all we're talking about is the playoff. Um, I think you'd still like our show, but you wouldn't love our show. But if you believe the playoff will be there and we'll get there when we get there, but let's really cherish those Saturdays in the fall and let's not treat every team like their worth depends on whether they're a playoff contender or not. If you think like that, this is your show and we do it three nights a week. I would really love it if you'd subscribe to the YouTube channel and the podcast in the process. Okay. Speaking, speaking of actual football, got a lot of quarterback battles going on out there. And I know some of you had to take vacation. Some of you had to go overseas. And so I don't care what you've done. I care that you're back now. Here's what you've been missing. And here's all you need to know about some of these quarterback battles. So at Bama, it's a three-way race. Our, our buddies over at the Feinbaum Show put out a tweet yesterday. and said, if you could pick any three people to go to dinner with, who would it be? And I said, Ty Simpson, Jalen Milrow, and Tyler Buckner. What a sicko. 
at Sicko's committee. What a sicko I am. Uh, but I'm serious about it. So Ty Simpson, I think they thought was going to win the job in the spring. I think turnovers were an issue, and he didn't take the job. And as a result, Nick Saban looked and said, you didn't, you didn't do what you were supposed to do, so I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to add another arm in the room, and Tyler Buckner comes in from Notre Dame, and they're about set to open fall camp now. Boy, I've gone back and forth on this. I, there was about a month period over the summer where I thought Jalen Milrow was going to be my pick. I have no strong pick here. I'm leaning back towards Ty Simpson. I think ultimately it's the best collection of skill that they're going to need. This is not going to be a quarterback-centric offense. Nick Saban himself sat right across from me two weeks ago and said, we relied way too much on Bryce Young last year. Everything ran through Bryce Young. Man, their offensive line is going to be really good. Like, if you want a hot take from me on Bama, I think they could lead the league in rushing this year. I think Eric Wolford was a phenomenally underrated offensive line hire after two pretty subpar guys ran through there and, and Flood and I think Marone. So I think that when I say subpar, I mean the overall eval process and the result was, was subpar by Alabama standards. Wolford's the real deal. Eric Wolford's the real deal. And the offensive line they put on the field this year will be the real deal. I think their run game will be the real deal. So the point being, I don't need a 4,500-yard passer here. I just need a guy to make good decisions, get me in the right check at the line of scrimmage, the right look, and don't turn the ball over. And maybe all three of them can do it. But I'm slightly leaning Ty Simpson right now. See me after their first scrimmage. Next up, Louisville. Very, very big sleeper team in the ACC. Uh, it has a lot to do with the schedule, which we've detailed on the show. Now, here's what you need to know. Brock Doman started four games for them last year. And it, it was average to above average. Not bad, but not great. Evan Connolly saw action in 2019's last time you would have really seen him. Pierce Clarkson is a true freshman, four-star kid, but Jack Plummer's the one that transferred in from Cal. Jack Plummer's also the one who has experience in Jeff Brom's system, played for him at Purdue, transferred to Cal, did pretty good at Cal last year behind a subpar offensive line, and now he's back there. I'd be surprised if he didn't win this job, uh, but it's not like Jack Plummer is a surefire future first-round candidate in the NFL draft to where it's just unquestionable. Fall camp can be weird. And so I'm going to keep an eye on this one, even though I think that would be the obvious leader in the clubhouse. Ole Miss, man, this is anyone's guess. Now, at Ole Miss, maybe Lane Kiffin knows, and maybe he's just kind of played it close to the vest. But Jackson Dart started for them last year. And then they got the result they got. They sort of waned down the stretch as the schedule got tougher. And Spencer Sanders transferring out of Oklahoma State there was one of the bigger surprises of the transfer portal cycle. And Sanders was badly banged up last year and still played. You didn't see him as a player last year. You saw a shell of who he is as a player. If he's healthy, this will be a dogfight of a quarterback battle. And Sanders very well could take that job. I sat with Lane Kiffin two weeks ago, I think it was. I asked him, because a lot of folks looked at this and said, wow. He took, first off, he took Walker Howard from LSU, who once upon a time was thought to be the future at LSU, now maybe the future at Ole Miss, already had Jackson Dart, take Spencer Sanders. Lane, what are you taking all these quarterbacks for? Roll it, Colin. What's your philosophy on acquiring quarterback talent? You guys got a couple out of the portal. I think it surprised some people. I mean, I raised my eyebrow at it, but at the same time, if I ran a team, I'd want to have as many talented guys in the room as possible. Is that pretty much the way you looked at that? Sure. 
like an NFL team, like <clears throat> your goal as the head coach or general manager or owner is like to make the best roster that you can, to make the best position groups that you can, and add talent. And so, like I said, you know, like we don't recruit or add talent or not add talent based off of someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. Of course, a lot of players don't want <laughs> other good players coming at their spot. I mean, it just again, let's be realistic. So, um, but that's not my job. My job is to put the best team and the best players together. Is it a competition? Is it a controversy? Well, we don't believe in quarterback controversies. The only controversy is having no quarterback. So it's a competition, just like a linebacker competition or a left tackle competition. The difference is you got multiples of those positions on the field. Uh, This one, you're only going to have one on the field and way more eyeballs are on it. I have no clue who I think is going to win this job, is my point. No clue. If Spencer Sanders is healthy, I think he has the better upside. Like, could legitimately win this job, and uh, it all comes down to health. Obviously, Jackson Dart's got the familiarity. Uh, He's got leadership qualities. A lot of folks over there believe in him. I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying it's not a bad position to be in if you're Lane Kiffin. All right, out on the West Coast, some of you have noticed I've been talking about UCLA a lot. And it's because I think it's a sneaky good team because of this quarterback room. So step one for Chip Kelly was go get Dante Moore. Complete stud. And we've seen him in person at Elite 11. Dante Moore uh, was the number four ranked prospect, number three quarterback in the 2023 cycle. Out of Detroit, no less. So he comes out there to UCLA. They flipped him from Oregon. This was a big NIL get for UCLA. One of many reasons I think the sport has come to Chip Kelly. So that was part one. Part two is make sure you have insurance. Ethan Garbers has been there for a while, and he knows Chip Kelly's system. And if you had to roll with him today, you could probably win football games or be competitive. Colin Schley, they got him to transfer in from Kent State. Got good offensive line play. They figured to have good offensive line play. They got uh, the Steel kid from Kent State. or It was a Ball State. Yeah, Ball State. Pet alligator kid, obviously, from the other show. I told you about that. And so this is not a situation where a quarterback is going to have to overwhelm early. They can afford to ease him in. Colin, could you show me if we have it? Do we have their schedule? I don't know if we loaded up UCLA schedule or not. Okay, uh, nice. I like it. Um, some of these teams like Utah, they start with a front-loaded schedule. Like Utah, I talked about it earlier. They play Florida. They play Baylor. Uh, they play UCLA first month of the season. UCLA doesn't have that. Uh, UCLA has got a situation where they play Coastal Carolina week one. They go to San Diego State week two. They've got something called NC Central in week three. I'm sure good people over there. I just first time I've ever seen the logo. And then they go at Utah week four. So they should be favored first three weeks. They should win those games. San Diego State certainly not a pushover. Um, Don't know anything about NC Central. We have not done our NC Central preview yet. Apologies. And then they go at Utah week four. Uh, point being, I think I'll have my quarterback situation decided by week four. That's what I care about with UCLA. This could be a really good team. There's a reason they're in the top half of the Pac-12 in, in odds. There's a reason that over-under win total is up at eight and a half. That's a high number for UCLA football. Keep an eye on them. Dante Moore is a stud. Like if, if it's his team this year, there won't be many better quarterbacks in the country. I don't care if he's a true freshman. He's that good. So keep an eye on him. Also, up the coast at Oregon State. Uh, A little side note here. So I was doing some reconnaissance work in Corvallis, and those season tickets are going fast. 
those folks up there know what they could have on their hands. Hats off to folks up in Corvallis, Oregon. Got stadium renovations been going on. It's going to be great. So anyway, you watched, or if you did watch last year, Ben Gulbrinson. We saw him start. Uh, he was 7-1 and one as a starter. And that's, that's good. That's really good. But it wasn't because of dynamic, overly prolific quarterback play that they were 7-1. and one. They could win with him. Obviously, they've already done it before. But then they got DJ Uyangalale out of the transfer portal. And they got Aiden Childs as well, who probably is a redshirt this year, but it's four-star quarterback. So let's keep an eye on him in fall camp too. Uh, DJ is coming in a situation where got a good team around him, got a phenomenal coaching staff around him. I think a very underrated group of wide receivers just because they're smaller. And it, it, man, if he could put it together, if he could just be the DJ we thought we were getting out of high school, he, he thinks it's a much better system for him. Uh, however, Jonathan Smith, the head coach up there, has preached over and over again, my system puts a lot on a quarterback. That's why experience in my system is paramount. Well, DJ Uangalale has none of that. Is his talent and skill set enough to overcome that and win the job? That over-under win total is eight and a half. This is a quarterback battle to keep an eye on. I know all the preview mags are going to say DJ. Just like at Louisville, it's going to say Jack Plummer, and that's who I'd pick. But it's not a slam dunk, so keep an eye on these things. They're watching us in Reno, Nevada. They're watching us in West Palm Beach, Florida. DeSoto, Texas is tuned in as well. Got post-its all over the place up here. Appreciate you guys. Hey, reminder, reminder. No questions asked. We got to have 200,000 subs on this channel by kickoff. So let's make it happen. It's free. It is free, people. Let's make it happen. This is an exciting time of year. This is worth a paper pop. Boom. Exciting time of year. Once a year, 24-7 sports releases are 30 under 30. And those are all of college football, 30 hottest assistant coaching names or trainers or recruiting folks or player personnel department people. If you're under 30 and you're a hot name, you're going to be listed. And the full thing's over on 247sports.com right now. But I was scanning the list today and realized, oh, snap, I know most of these people. So, probably not a lot of criticism coming in this segment, but I think it's a lot of what you need to know. Cam Martin feels like he played at Auburn about 15 minutes ago. He's 25 years old now. He played for Gus Malzahn at Auburn. He works for Gus Malzahn at UCF now. He is highly involved in recruiting down there, an integral part of their recruiting. This is a Big 12 school now as of five minutes ago. And so uh, Cam Martin, like they've already got, I think it was two four-star running backs committed in 2025. He's on them. And a really infectious personality. People who covered him at Auburn know that. And he's, he's got that connection with the players. You know it when you're around it. Cam Martin is one to look very, very closely at. He'll be a fast riser. Uh, Gus Malzahn thinks the world of him. And then up at Nebraska, Matt Rule's got two of them. There was only one program in all of college football that had two guys, two people, listed on the 30 under 30, and it was, it, it was Nebraska. So go Huskers. Cornhub represent. Um, Garrett McGuire, last name is familiar because it is Joey McGuire's son. He's on here at age 24. Yeah, I don't think he can rent a car yet. He's on here at 24. It's the youngest assistant coach in Power 5. He's the wide receivers coach up there. And he's heavy involved in their 2024 class. He spent last two seasons in Carolina 
with Matt Rule. So Rule had familiarity with him. Also, Rob Dvorak, he had familiarity with him. I think Rob was with him at Carolina as well. Now, Rob's 29. A lot of folks think this is a future head coach, by the way. It's the linebackers coach there, I believe. Um, Phenomenal communicator. Great teacher. And we had Matt Rule. Remember, we had him the other day, and he made the comment, I don't look for coaches who can just teach the elite guys. Because pretty much anyone can do that. I got to have guys that can teach everyone. I got to have guys that are really good at coaching the lower third of our roster. Now, that's Rob Dvorak. And familiar with Rule. And Nebraska, the only one with two coaches on it. So those are two names to keep an eye on up in Lincoln. Definitely with Rob Dvorak, people circle his name. I've heard people talk about him before and say, that's a future head coach. Steven Ruzik is also on here. He's up at Indiana now. He was at Auburn. I, I first knew him at Auburn. He's up in Indiana now. He's 29 years old. So he snuck in here one more time. Good for him. He's the director of recruiting up there. He's been in North Carolina, Minnesota. He's been at Ole Miss. I told you he's been at Auburn. Uh, uh, people shine for different reasons. And Steven is a guy who's like really good at vision and recruiting strategy. Now, he's also involved, obviously, in recruiting. They landed the number 19 portal class this last cycle. Um, I'm telling you, I think that all it's going to take for him is being associated with a program that explodes. And a lot of that's timing. A lot of that's luck. A lot of it you have something to do with. But ultimately, some of it's out of your hands, even though that's how your stock starts to rise. It's not always the way it should be, but it's the way it is. Well, his stock's high anyway, and I just think it'll be that much higher the more result they put together. I'll tell you one that's been probably as hot a commodity as anyone on this list for my money. Brandon Harris at Texas, everyone speaks glowingly of him. Played at LSU, quarterback at LSU not too long ago. He's 27 now. He is at the heart of the recruiting success they've had out there. Uh, Texas has landed back-to-back top five classes, and I can confidently tell you that guy's had a lot of job offers. There, there are a lot of folks trying to pull him out of Austin, and Steve Sarkeesian knows he's got a good one, and he's been able to keep Brandon Harris in place so far. They're not slowing down out there, and they've hired the right people. It's always crazy, right? When these programs all of a sudden start surging, and you realize, oh, they hired really good people. Huh, I wonder what came first. And lastly, Katie Turner made the list again. Katie Turner, I I mean, age is an integral part of this, so there she is. I can safely say she's under 30. Uh, Katie Turner's an interesting name because Katie Turner has got a job at Florida that is extremely lofty, if not unprecedented, for a female in college football. Everyone loves her. Probably if I, I could spend all day, I wouldn't find anyone who'd speak ill of her. But she was with Napier at Louisiana, and they landed number one Sunbelt classes, 2019, 2020. She went up to Georgia, and then when Napier goes to Florida, he landed her, and it was a big deal. And I'm telling you, talking to females behind the scenes, uh, they all look at Katie Turner. And it's, it's, it's very complimentary. Like when you talk to folks about Katie, it, they're very complimentary, but also what they'll say is she is so important for us. Because you talk to some of, the, some of the women behind the scenes in college football, and there are a whole lot of them. You just don't know their names. Well, you know Katie Turner's name. And a lot of folks look at Katie and say, hey, if this works at Florida, you'll know a lot of our names because a lot of us will get shots. And they're right. They're right. I don't know if that much burden should be placed on a single pair of shoulders, but it, it's a really big deal for her to have the job she has 
down at Florida. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was not without merit that she's got it either. So Billy Napier knows what he's doing. Uh, he knows because he's already been around her once. I, I think that 10 years from now, you'll probably look at her ascending to the position she's at, and there will be a lot of folks with loftier job titles who will have her in part to thank. So I would encourage you guys, go look at 247sports.com. Those were five of dozens of names that were on that list. And while you're over there, by the way, while you're at 247sports.com, let me tell you what I would advise you to do. I'm not here to spend your money for you, but they are doing a 75% off VIP sale for a subscription over the next 48 hours. Jesse, I believe it is. You know, when you subscribe to that website, our website, you get access to every team site. You can go check on USC. You can go check on Syracuse if you want to. You can go check on Virginia Tech. If you're, a, if you're an Alabama fan, you get access to the Alabama site. If I ran 24-7, I'd charge a lot more for it. But they don't listen to me. And they're discounting at 75% off of the next 48 hours. So don't tell them I sent you. It won't get you any further a discount. I'm just saying it's a really good value. As will be this post-it I have in my hand right now. I have people on the daily asking me, when can we get late kick merchandise? When can we get Pate State merchandise again? A lot of you have noticed the old store has been closed. It has been closed. That's what you do when you're tearing something down to the studs and rebuilding it from scratch. That's what we've been doing all spring. We're almost ready to open it again. And when I tell you I've got some designs on there that excite even me, I mean, I've got stuff on there that probably I will buy from myself. And it's convoluted. It's a weird way it works, but that's the way it works. I cannot wait to open this thing back up. Before this month is over, that thing will be opened. And I don't mean like August 31st either. So I'll let you know when I can let you know. But it's bold prediction time to wrap the show tonight. And I appreciate you guys being tuned in live. Make sure you're subscribed if you haven't already. Bold predictions are on chapter 24 tonight. And we got some good ones. In fact, every bold prediction on tonight's show is at least a nine on the 1 to 10 scale. I don't think we've ever had that before. Let's get it cranked up. First up, from Nate in Austin, Texas. No team from Texas wins more than nine games this year. No team. So we're talking Texas over under win total of nine and a half. And then you got A&M and TCU and Texas Tech and Baylor. They're over under win total seven and a half. Houston's down at four and a half. Nate says none of them are winning double digit games. Well, obviously your eyes go to Texas, and that will heavily depend on the outcome of that Alabama game early in the season. They play food in week one, notably, and don't lose to food, number one rule on the show. And then in week two, they play at Alabama, and then they got the Big 12 schedule, basically. They're not going to win 10 games? We'll see. I got predictions for you coming in a couple of weeks when it comes to Texas. But Texas A&M is the schedule I want to look at, because this is this is... Man, the SEC does not play. You can talk about these eight or nine game conference schedules all you want to. Let me just lay this out for you. Do you realize Texas A&M plays at Miami, Auburn, Arkansas and Dallas, Alabama, at Tennessee before they get to their bye week? And even if they're only a one loss team at that point, they've still got to play South Carolina at Ole Miss, Mississippi State and at LSU to end the year. They could be so improved this year and still be a three-loss team playing that schedule. So, Nate, because of Texas, 
And because I think one of those teams in that little pod of seven and a half over under, because I think someone is going to pop a double digit win season on us, I'm making this a nine. But I could see this easily panning out and everyone out there failing to hit double digit wins. Next up, uh, just spoiler alert, this is not going to happen. But Coach Christopher Paul Sr. hit us up and he is from Cordial, Georgia. I know Cordial for the best and worst of reasons personally. And he said Arkansas will win the SEC West and play for the SEC title. Coach, did you really bet money on this? Be real. Did you really bet money on this? This is a 9.75 on the boldness scale. Now, before Arkansas fans get bent out of shape, actually, I think you guys agree with me, but before you get bent out of shape, I have to tell you, I went on YouTube last night and I was watching some of Trey Biddy's walk-in talks, which he does after every Arkansas game over at hogsports.com. He does a walk-in talk where he just, he has his little selfie stick and, and he has his phone. He just walks around uh, Reynolds Razorback Stadium up there. It was so bleak back in 2019. It, and they, they, he's got the game where they lost to San Jose State. They lost to North Texas. They lost to Western Kentucky. And Biddy's walking out of the stadium and he walks by a bunch of garbage bags. And he just says, a lot of garbage in the stadium today. <laughs> he's kept on walking. I love him so much. Uh, I, we go to the same barber as well. So Trey Biddy has had happier times than that covering Arkansas as of late. This year, winning the SEC West, a little bit of a stretch. Big Ten West, though? Jesse, producer Jesse, who returned from his mysterious vacation and brought me some Swiss chocolate, so I'm fine with it all of a sudden. He bought me off, basically. Jesse said, hey, what if they were in the Big Ten West? I think I'd pick him to win it. So it's, it's all about geography, I guess. But man, you got LSU, you got Alabama to overcome. You got Texas A&M to overcome. Oh, by the way, there's that four-game stretch to go back to the whole scheduling analysis that a lot of people love to do. Uh, this is insanity. If you're listening on podcast, imagine going to Baton Rouge to play LSU, then going to Dallas to play Texas A&M, then going to Oxford to play Ole Miss, then going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama in four consecutive weeks. They are gone on the road for a month. That Texas A&M game's neutral site. It's not in Fayetteville. How does anyone allow this to happen? Again, I do this like song and dance every year with, a, with Arkansas schedule, and I'm doing it again this year. And oh, by the way, then they got Mississippi State. Like what should be the most winnable game in the division for you comes after four consecutive weeks on the road. And so you're just crawling over broken glass trying to get to the bye week. And then you got Mississippi State at your most vulnerable. So yeah, they're not going to win the West. I'm sorry. Let's, let's try and win seven or eight up there. They're not going to win the West. Next up, this was Bud. Not to be confused with a William Elliott that we know is his Bud. He uh, is from Las Vegas, Nevada, and he says FSU is going to go into Death Valley and beat Clemson by double digits. Well then, my mind went back to 2013. Because that is when I remember Florida State going to Clemson and spanking Clemson 51-14. to 14. FSU was only a three-point favorite that day. Clemson is currently a three-point favorite in this game this year. I don't expect 51-14 to 14 either way. I'm calling this a nine on the boldness scale. Now, FSU goes up there and wins. That's wonderful. They go up there and win by double digits. Whew. 
Well, that's a statement made. This is a week four game, by the way. That's a statement made. Can they pull away, though? Obviously, if it's plus four turnovers, you can't see that coming. But if it's an even turnover game and they go up there and win by double digits, imagine what Jordan Travis has just done. Imagine what that defense has just done. Or is it, is it what Clemson didn't do? I don't know how that would play out. But that's a nine on the boldness scale, just, just on principle. I expect it to be a very close game. And lastly, fresh off a discussion with Mel Tucker last week, Israel hits us up from West Hazleton, Pennsylvania. He says Michigan State will win two of these four games. Washington, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Naturally, we want to know what the spreads are on these games. Michigan State is an 11.5 point dog at home against Washington. They are a 19.5 point dog at home against Michigan. They are 24.5 point dogs on the road against Ohio State. We think they would be about a 15 point dog against Penn State, and that one's a neutral site. Do you realize this, by the way? Do you realize Michigan State plays Penn State on a Friday night? in Detroit to end the season. To gross on all fronts. The only thing I like about it are the players and coaches on the teams because the rest of that scene is gross. Um, This is a 9.75 on the boldness scale for me. I don't know what they'll be at quarterback. I know the portal hit them and hit them late in the cycle. Now, I should remind you, we got a full interview with Mel Tucker on the YouTube channel. You can find it. It's not too, too far buried. And he said, I think I've got my most talented team I've had since I've been here. He knows his team much better than I do. If he's right, hit the over there. Over-unders five and a half. I don't think they're going to be able to split those four games, though. Now, they could lose all four of those and still hit their over, for all we know. But, man, they're they're double-digit dogs in every one of those games. You're going to win two of them outright? That's tough for me to see. What's easy for me to see is we're going to be right back here Thursday night. The reason is because... We're doing three live shows per week from now until the national championship game, essentially. And we're very, very happy to be back. Make sure you tell everyone you know. If they're not already checking the show out, add it to the repertoire. Chalice is on the line every show in August. And if you promote us, then you're in the running. Just make sure you tag me when you do it so I'll know. For producer Jesse, for a recently returned, well, he's recently returned, for director Colin, who's just always here, Bradley, the associate in there as well. I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great rest of your evening, and God bless. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.